Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 361. I am Peter, and joining me this week, because Matt's still on his cruise, is Connor. Yeah, I'm here a lot right now. Yeah, also, Matt, his team in ice hockey, I saw him tweet about it, won like, yeah, we won. the yeah. season or whatever it is, and he can't actually watch any of the coverage or take part or, or celebrate properly. Like, he's cut off from the world. He was complaining about, like... Cruise Wi-Fi. Yeah, he, had, he had to watch. I think he had to listen to the final game as a radio broadcast instead of watch it because <laughs> the ship Wi-Fi was too bad to watch it. And then uh, it's like all the the victory parade stuff, you know, city celebrations are like this probably today, this weekend, I think. Yeah, and obviously he he, he's not there. Yes, I saw him look to be out. If, if you're in Vegas, please celebrate for me. God, it's pathetic. I'm sure they did celebrate very hard for him. It, yeah. Extra hard, because he asked. Yes, I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. I just don't get sports. I don't, like, I don't give a shit. It's... Well, that's because you're boring. <laughs> it's, it's like a monumental event for him. I, I'm, like, he can be happy. I'm happy he's happy. I just I don't get it at all. <laughs> But regardless, we're here! It's a DC Comics podcast, everyone. We talk about the DC Comics we read this week. And coming up on this week's show, we have Green Lantern Issue 2, Superman Lost Issue 4, Spirit World Issue 2, and that's actually it for the new books, but we have some Patreon books to look at. Uh, Connor will be talking about Tim Drake Robin, or Time Drake Robin, as I've written down here. Uh, hey, might be a better book. It might be. I'll be looking at Batman The Outsiders Issue 4, and then Connor will also be looking at Nocterra issue 12. I was going to try and uh, do a wee sneaky extra book, but do you know why I didn't? Because it's so goddamn warm that every time I tried to read, I started falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, which book were you going to... Can I make a guess? Assuming it... Is it, is it an issue one, or are you just going to do issue two or something already? No, it was issue one. Okay, was it Void Rivals? No, it wasn't a new book. Oh. Because Void Rivals was, I don't know if you saw, they kind of, Robert Kirkman did it again. He he got, a, it, I think it leaked slightly in advance this time, but he surprise dropped a book again. All right. Uh, Void Rivals, and it's a crossover book with Transformers and G.I. Joe. And it also, at the back of it, announced a new Transformers book from, I believe, Philip Kennedy Johnson? I missed all this, apparently. Uh, no, no. Uh, what I was oh, sorry, it's Daniel Warren Johnson was the Transformers. Oh. Yeah, from uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth and the, I believe, Do a Powerbomb. Well, I was thinking Jurassic League, is that a... That might have been him as I well. Th- yeah, I think that was he. He was like, cool. I, don't, I, I think he wrote that one, but didn't draw it, I want to say. Or the other way around, I can't remember. But his name was definitely yeah. Um. So, yeah, no, I missed all this. Um... Apparently. But don't worry, no, the, the thing that I was going to read next time I've got a quiet week, I'll, I'll sneak it in. It's, uh, it's nice to have a few in reserves for quiet weeks, you know? Mm. Such as, uh, I mean, this isn't as bad as the week five was. The week five was pretty terrible. Uh, I mean, there's three books and all of them are normal size. This is pretty low. I mean, one's got a backup, at least. You're right, I forgot about the backup. And there's, a, there's a little bit of news, and, you know, oh, we got Patreon books, yeah, we got things to talk about. But of course we'll start with what we always start with. The pinnacle of podcast entertainment. 
the can no. the can film festival of audio formats it is of course the comicsology top 10 segment you know it is even worse i found out like uh the other day there are some accounts that have been like you know aggregating from stores and, and mm. like so the site that shall not be named used to do it with a very small sample size occasionally not even consistently but there's a I think there's at least two Twitter accounts now that do it pretty regularly every week. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's any more reliable than whatever Comixology's random things do. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But, uh, well, we'll look at the rankings on Comixology uh, for both Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, of course, being DC's day. Um, if I could mix the two days, I would, but that's just not how they sort them anymore. So, yeah, we'll look at Tuesdays first. Uh, would you care to guess what number one was? Uh, Green Lantern, just because there's not much else. It is Green Lantern, and perhaps just because there was not much else. But well, I, I don't think. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say it probably doesn't have bad sales, but I don't no, expect no. it to have normal number one spot numbers. I suspect people who are happy with Adam's Flash are probably checking it out quite happily, and then people who have been waiting for a Green Lantern book will at least be giving it a try. So you know, I think you've got a decent pool of comic readers interested um yeah number two is superman lost issue four uh number three is wildcats issue eight uh which mac was threatening to drop every issue he read i don't know if he finally has but uh every week he was or every month he was like oh you know i, I don't think i could keep up with this one and I, I think it's just because it kept coming out on quieter weeks that he just kind of kept giving it and just reading it anyway uh number four is waller versus wildstorm number five is batman incorporated Number seven, sorry, number six, I can't count, uh, is DC Pride Through the Years, which is uh, sort of the Pride special with the reprint stuff. I think that's what it is. It's just got like, yeah, it's got like, I think it's a Poison Ivy thing. They're they're all reprints from older issues. Mm. Uh, And then number seven, Spirit World, issue two. Number eight is Static Annual. Oh, sorry, no, Static Team Up and Anansi. I just, I glanced and the word Anansi just looked like annual to me. Uh, and then number nine is Batman Beyond the White Knight. This is a trade, by the way. This is not a new single issue, uh, which just tells you there wasn't a lot of books out this week. And then number ten is the Sandman Universe uh, Night Country, or whatever it's called. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically everything. Like, n- literally, next is the Mad Magazine uh, digital version. So, yeah, definitely a smaller week for DC. Uh, all these new books uh, can't come soon enough. Although, well, we've had a few of them now, admittedly. We are, obviously, though, and going into a couple of weird months, but there's going to be a lot of books out every week, but obviously it's not the regular schedule because it's all Night Terror stuff. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. We'll see how many of those you actually end up wanting to read. I think month two will be the real. Yeah, tough I think month month one. I'll try the majority. I imagine, right? There'll be some that maybe just look bad at face value, but for the most part, I'll try them. Month two, well, I, that's probably a good little like a uh, fun bet to have. Is uh, what percentage of all the number ones we read <laughs> in July then get number two re- read in August? Thirty percent. You think a third? You think we'll only read a third of the number twos? I think it'll be a third. I think it'll be the ones that are the direct continuations of their books, and then like a couple of others, and that'll be it. 
It's not a terrible so that, guess. Uh, 30%. It kind of depends on how many are actual continuations of their books. Uh, I haven't looked into, you know, with, mm. with the hard numbers for that, but yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, so yeah, number one on Wednesday. Any guess? Is it an X-Men book? It's actually not. Is it a Spider-Man book? Nope. Is it Void Rivals? It is Void Rivals, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I was thinking, like, the only other thing that I can think of that might have outsold it is a random Kirkman book, because that man sells way too many copies of everything, somehow. Yeah, uh, which, by the way, the cover does not give me any hint that it is some Transformers I'm sh- G.I. Joe. I'm sure I got told it was a Transformers G.I. Joe It thing. probably is. Uh, honestly, like, G.I. Joe is not something... I grew up with. I, I don't recognize anything G.I. Joe related. It's alien to me. Um, I can't spoil something from recent times, but I'll just say uh, I've got an anecdote to tell you after the after the podcast recording. Uh, <laughs> because you won't care about this thing being spoiled. Um, okay. But uh, let's just say my lack of knowledge about uh, G.I. Joe came into play recently. Uh, so Alright, so Void Rivals is number one. Number two is X-Men Red, issue 12. Number three is Wolverine 34. Four is Amazing Spider-Man. Five is Marvel's Voices Pride. So they had a Pride special as well. Also $10 as well. Uh, and then number six is Black Panther, issue one. This is e-viewing. Uh, I think that? Yeah, I've I've read a few other things before. I've not... Uh, nothing I've ever loved, but... Nothing that has been, like, terrible from what I've tried of her stuff before. Hmm. Uh, number seven is Doctor Strange, issue four. Number eight is Rogue and Gambit, issue four. Number nine is Captain America, Cold War. And then number ten is a trade, but it looks of it. Night Fever, volume one, by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh, it's uh, OGN. It's OGN, okay. Well, that makes sense it's, why it's selling so well, then. So, obviously, in, in, since the pandemic, they've shifted away from doing monthlies entirely, and they just do graphic novels now. Okay. Um, they've had like five or six of the Reckless books. This is their first one that's not Reckless since they've started doing these. And I think they've got, they, I think just last week they've announced another one for towards the end of the year. They've been pretty consistent. Like every yeah, every five or six months they, they pump one of these, you know, 150, 200 page books out. Very and every single one of them has been great so far. Not that surprising. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's a great team, so it's not it's not a shock. Um, I, I've got I, my copy of the this new one arrives next week, I think. So I'll probably read it then. Yeah, uh, and they had a bunch of stuff out this week. Marvel uh, as well. Uh, Captain Marvel, Moon Knight, Darth Vader, all sort of in the top fifteen, uh, as well as X twenty three Regenesis. Uh, there's an image book called Battle Chasers that was out this week that just missed the top ten. Uh, the Star Trek comics out this week as well. I just missed the top 15. So, you know, good variety of stuff on Wednesday. Uh, should you have been looking. But there you go. That's Capricorn's top 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got a couple of bits in news. Uh, one specific to comics uh, here. So we got a new Black Label book incoming. So Let me get... Uh, okay. I have not seen this yet. Uh-huh. Is it somehow Batman? Well, I mean... 
It's called Batman Gargoyle of Gotham. Do you do you get Batman from that? I'm 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 getting Batman from that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Could, could... There's a, there's a a lot of high percentage of black label books have been Batman. Could be Plastic Man. I mean I mean <laughs> hey maybe this is like that um the animated movie I can't remember, the, it was it was called Batman or Arkham something or other but it was actually just a Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, they were just selling it as a Batman thing. Uh, so yeah, four issue miniseries launches on Batman Day, which is Saturday, September the sixteenth. So, uh, it will be published bi-monthly, which is not surprising. But launching on a Saturday, though, how's that? How's that going to work? The same as it does on Free Comic Book Day. Like, but it's weird for a full, you know, price book. Premium, yeah, but they'll just tell them the stores. They'll ship it with the rest of the orders earlier okay. in the week and just put a sale date of Saturday and be like, you can't sell it till Batman Day. Uh, okay, I guess so. I guess so. Um, luckily, I don't read my books usually till Saturday, the day we record anyway, so I'll just read it with the rest of the books. <laughs> but um, I can see Matt complaining that he has to squeeze on a Batman book on the day of recording. Yeah, see, because for Matt, it's kind of like morning when, when we do this. Yeah, and he sprinkles his books out over a number of days. Uh, so yeah, anyway, so the new book will focus on a version of Batman who willingly lets go of his life as Bruce Wayne in favour of full-time crime-fighting. This comes at a terrifying cost, however, that we imagine has something to do, this is uh, Newsarama's words, uh, has something to do with that old quote about gazing into the abyss. Hmm, interesting, where's the uh, creative team on this? Why have they not put that up front? That's like an That's kind of important in a black label book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Da, 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 da. I can find anything. Oh my god, just just Raphael Grandpa. Oh, there you go. Why the he... honestly, like before you even start talking, title of the book and the creators, right? <laughs> just give me that. Well, it's shitty enough when it's like a a mainstream website that does that. But when it's a comics focused like target audience, it's particularly shitty. Yeah. Do you know what? It says Grandpa says that, and then, you know, so it's as if it's already mentioned him, and I'm scanning the article previous to that to see where it actually mentions who the writer is. Because it's not in the opening. Yeah. I, I assume he's writing and drawing it. Okay, here we go. Uh, so yeah, he's writing and drawing, yes. Yeah, Raphael Grandpa. Okay. Yeah. The All only right. thing I know him from is he did the. Uh... The Dark Knight Return Superman thing, whatever that was called. He drew that, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, there's a more in-depth uh, description here. In a Gotham City where every day feels darker and more irredeemable than the last, Batman makes a definitive choice to kill off the Bruce Wayne identity for good and embrace the cape and cowl full-time. But though he knows the streets of Gotham, Batman will soon come to find that he hardly knows himself. A serial killer is on the loose, and while the murder victims seem random at first, every clue draws Batman closer to the terrifying truth that they are all connected, not just to each other, but to him as well. When an all-new rogues gallery of utterly depraved villains begins to emerge from the depths of the city, Batman will have to contend with the very nature of evil, including that which lurks in the darkest corners of his own heart, to face what is coming for the city he has sworn to protect. So it's, it's a little bit, uh, like, they, they almost go into that, like, not just for the city, but also for Batman thing a couple of times, you know, his yeah. own heart 
you know, there's a, there's a lot of dramatic fluff in that description. He's, um, he's an interesting, you know, fairly unique artist for DC in terms of their style. I can't think of anything else that they publish that's remotely like his stuff. Yeah, I mean, the cover so, looks nice. It's this sort of Batman pose like he has a gargoyle on like a roof corner. Yeah, but most should of... give him a nice, give, give it a nice style. Like, and that's the best thing about a lot of these um, black label books is, you know, they can very much get away from house style and look pretty different. Yeah, they've announced like five or six variants here as well. Uh, unsurprising. So, yeah. there's a Jim Lee variant, black and white variant of that. Uh, there's a Paul Pope. There's a, oh, there's a Frank Miller cover. I'm sure we'll all be rushing to uh, <laughs> mm. get that. Um, but there you go. So that that's the actual comic book news. But there's more Batman news, just not comic book related specifically, that seemed worth mentioning. Because would you believe it, Connor? Just uh, the last couple of days, a, a DC movie came out that neither of us have felt the desire to go see. The only things I know about this movie still are dead people and babies in microwaves. Yeah, <laughs> I have seen a couple of spoiler clips on Twitter. Um, one of them I just don't understand which is perhaps a reference to the microwave thing that Connor just said. Uh, the con Just slight more context for the leaked clip on Twitter that you people might have seen. That is reversed. You know, so in the movie, it, you know, it's, it's out of the microwave, not in. Okay. Okay. Interesting. That does make a bit more sense. Uh, but that's slightly more yeah, sense. Yeah, but that's not yeah. spoil anything uh, for yeah. people who actually don't want spoilers. Um, but... You know, I've seen a few clips uh, on Twitter, and it does not look good. Uh, even just from the potato cam quality video of these clips, um, the CG looks... Did you see his defense of the CG? I did. The director came out and said it was intended. Uh, it's he meant from to Paris do that. point of view, so it's meant to look a little wonky. But why does he also bullshit. look shit? Why, why yeah, does he bullshit. look like shit too? That doesn't make any sense. Um, a bunch of nonsense, uh, I have to say. And I was already down in this movie. I, I you know, I don't like the, the premise of it. I don't like that they're doing this as the first Flash movie. We've talked about this before. We won't get into it. Um, it's all just a bit of a, a Batman in a nostalgia wank um, with all the nostalgia pops that you expect. You know, we've ranted about uh, Let's Get Nuts that was in one of the trailers. But the news that's uh, spinning out of all this is that... For some reason, <laughs> James Gunn decided that Andy Muschietti, who directed The Flash, is now going to direct Batman Brave and the Bold, which is the Bat Family movie that's going to be part of the new uh, universe. In in his defense, from what I gather, he clearly wanted to make a Batman movie and got forced into making it a Flash movie. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like any of his films, though. No, I don't either, but... So... I'm not even necessarily judging my disappointment on this this news based on the Flash itself because ultimately that movie's been through so much turmoil that like even if you give it a director that I really liked, I'm not convinced they could have turned it into like a good movie or something that didn't look laughable from what I've seen. But I don't like Mama. I think the first it's okay, but it's but the the horror parts are the weakest parts of it, which is kind of distressing for a horror movie. And then it, Chapter Two was. 
trash. Like, it was just bad. So, I I am not excited by this choice in any way. Like, there's nothing about his name being attached to a movie. Um, and I was joking yesterday that it was basically, how can we give Peter, like, red flags for every single Batman project that might have been promising beforehand? Uh, it was that news, and I don't have it in front of me, but there was, like, an article going around about the new Cape Crusader animated show where Bruce Tim said something to the effect that he's going to get to do everything that he couldn't do on Batman the Animated Series because it's not on a kid's channel. And Yeah, um, that's got me less excited for that show. Because, I mean, let's be honest, he's got a bit of a weird fetish when it comes to Barbara Gordon and Batman for some reason, and we all saw his killing joke, and that new stuff he added was horrible. And what's particularly frustrating is there are some really effective sequences in the original show that are more effective because of the limitations they had mm. of being a, a kid. Like one of the one of the famous examples is the uh, uh, Robin's parents' death sequence. They originally just wanted to animate it, you know, them falling off the the you know the the wire, you know the, the trapeze being cut and them falling. And they were told, absolutely not, it's a kid's show, you can't show that. So it's all done in, you know, the silhouette, they swing off screen, you hear the snip, and then it, it swings back with the cut, uh, with the cut rope. Uh, incredibly effective. And all because they were told, no, 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 you can't do that. I, I don't know if I want to see what he does completely unchained again. Yeah. Yeah, the mo- the more time has passed since Batman the Animated Series, the more it's kind of felt like Bruce Tim, like all the restrictions, and obviously Paul Denny being around and some of the other names that were there, probably reined in a lot of things and helped make that show what it was. Uh, yeah. My only hope is, is there are still other good writers attached to this show that maybe have some influence. People like, you know, Brubaker's attached. Yeah, I don't know. But he does, like, like dark and grey stuff, though. Maybe that'll appeal to him all the he weird shit yeah. that Tim yeah. might do. So, I don't know. So, the Bat Family movie, I don't like the director they've attached to it, and I'm not liking these comments about the new animated show. So, which is a shame, because I wanted to look forward to both of these things, and now I'm in a place where I'm, I'm not looking forward to either of them, really. I mean, they could turn yeah. it around. I could see a trailer for either, and maybe they'll, you know... I, I think that the director problem is definitely a bigger one, because, like... That's more reliable to have a negative effect, I guess. Because mm. poor direction is poor direction, and if I don't like his work, there's a good chance that I still won't like it, even if he's doing a Batman movie. Yeah, there's some people saying, oh, it's fine, because even if you don't like his, his stuff, they're going to just, you know, James Gunn's going to basically be the, the Feige, and, and he'll, you know, ghost direct everything. Like, like how, you know, how all the Marvel movies have a, a style, and... I don't see that being the case with specifically with James Gunn. His whole like identity is even after he became big, it's kind of having you know having his own vision and doing his shit, and like you know being kind of counterculture, so to speak. For him to then be like, "No, you're all gonna sound like me," would be a really out of character move for him. Yeah, I don't see him being that controlling about the style and tone. I mean, maybe there's some like tone things that you have to sort of stick to because they're going to connect up later, but. Uh, yeah, but other than that, I, I don't know if I see James Gunn enforcing that kind of thing. Um, but no, I would have liked a 
a better director. Um, it's, it's just it's just not a name that excites me. I I think I just think he's not very good. Like it's and it's not even specific to superhero movies. I just don't think he's good in general. Um, one small hope is that the Flash is not making that much money, really. So maybe they'll decide. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe we'll try something else after all. I don't know. I I feel I feel like because they've announced it now. Right, and they've actually said that he's doing it. I think mm. they'll stick to that. Um, I think the Flash not doing very well will just ensure. Like, I think up until now they've been kind of coy and saying, "Oh no, we may keep Ezra Miller around," but I think they were just saying that in the off chance that this movie blew up and became this huge hit. Mm. The fact that it's doing relatively lukewarm, uh, much like a lot of things I've been doing this summer, to be honest, then that's them saying, "Okay, we can just move on from this now. We don't have to." deal with it really so yeah uh it's 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 so weird i, I don't know um yeah I, 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 all, all the movies are doing lukewarm because everyone's just waiting for oppenheimer and barbie on the same day <laughs> yeah fast 10 was kind of underperform at least domestically fast 10 was underperforming did that underperform in general or like just compared to the rest of that franchise in recent years because that franchise probably overperformed Compared to the franchise, but I mean, it, it, you know, it, I don't think it did like a hundred million opening in the US. Mm. It was less than that, so it did feel lukewarm, whatever it was. Um, and then what else just came out that kind of underperformed? Uh, the new Transformers uh, didn't have like a huge opening either. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think Spider Spider Verse is doing fine, but I don't think it's doing like gangbuster numbers either. Like everything seems to be kind of just doing all right. Nothing's you know breaking records or there's no, there's no yeah. Top Gun Maverick yet. Maybe they're just waiting for Tom Cruise again because he's got a Mission Impossible coming out. Maybe is that coming out towards the end of the year? I take it. No, it's like July, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe August. I push. I can't remember exactly date, but July is Oppenheimer and Barbie, so I'm assuming it's a little no, bit. After it, no, it's before that because he's pissed that the IMAX screens are being taken <laughs> away right. from. Uh, yes, because they're Impossible. stealing them like a week or two after, aren't they? Yeah. So they're not, yeah, there's a lot of movies coming out. That you know what this feels like. It feels like a lot of stuff during the pandemic built up a little bit and they're ready to release a lot of them this year at the same time and that's why there's mm. like an over glut of just big movies out all close together yeah. that's what it feels like which is funny because now the, with the writer strike and stuff there's a good chance that there'll be another little drought <laughs> coming i mean they just delayed like disney just delayed like yeah. all the avatars and star wars is about like a year just everything yeah. just got a which, flat like delay which i don't think is anything to do with any of those individual productions i think that's just oh we have to spread all this out and push everything back because of the strike um, absolutely um yeah. uh, even, even like uh, marvel movies as well i know they they delayed a, i'm sure they've announced a couple of those got delayed as well by like a year as like yeah i think they basically all just get bumped back a slot or two effectively yeah oh, again not surprising I think the biggest surprise will be if they don't have to bump them back any further. It depends how long the strike goes. It depends if the actors officially go on strikes as well, which is possible. Are the directors still voting on that as well? I think so, yeah. Because they were all, they're about to have their vote. All of their contracts and stuff all ended in the summer. They, they were all really close yeah. together, so like all this is going on at the same time. Um... But I suppose in a weird way, if the writers are already on strike, the actors being on strike doesn't change things that much. <laughs> It's just, okay, now we've got two groups to debate with rather than the one. Because they're already shutting stuff down. Like, you know, the Penguin show, uh, the new Daredevil show have both shut down production because, the, because of the writer's strike. Um, 
in some yeah. cases because they need material but in some cases i believe they're actually picketing the sets so they're just like oh we can't shoot because there's too many people like i think it's a combination as yeah. well like, like some days they're like oh you know, we'll risk it and then obviously it doesn't happen I mean, too many of those days it's just not worth it yeah so everything is on kind of a halt right now um comic book writers though are not part of the writers guild for motion pictures and whatnot so comic books are still coming out everyone <laughs> Yeah, and and again, neither are animated uh, animation workers, which is why something like Spider Man, uh, you know, the next Spider Verse movie, will probably still come out roughly on time. Yeah. Some comic book writers are also in the WGA because they also do some script work occasionally. Um, I assume they can still write comic books when yes, they yeah. just can't write for TV shows or movies. You know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because it's completely, you know, the, 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 there is no overlap, essentially, in the jobs. Yeah, it's one of those little things where I just, like, I've, like I could have been worried that there was, like, a weird, like, technicality, even though they shouldn't affect each other, that just because they're tied to it, it's like, oh, you can't write anything. No, it's, think of it similar to how uh, there's a lot of big two exclusive contracts, which, which still allow them to do indie work as well. Mm. So they can still have, like, indie books at Image. But they, but it's essentially you can't work for Marvel or like or DC, you know. That that's kind of it, really. Oh, uh, this okay. is the same where you know they can't work on those things, but they they can still work on comics because no one's taking a comics job and being like, ah, oh, yes, this will pay me more than that TV job, so you know I'll be fine. There's no competition really. <laughs> it's the people who want to do it that are just doing those jobs, right? Uh, definitely judging by the comics broke me trend that has been going around the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's like some of the biggest writers in comics will probably be paid more than the lowest writer on a TV show, but there's not a lot of like people in that yeah. position, I would expect. Yeah, no, uh, few and far between, I would, I would yeah. assume. You know. Like, obviously, no showrunners aren't there. I'm just thinking about, like, yeah, the, the new rookie staff writer who gets paid basically minimum wage. I'm sure they're making less than, like, a big shot comic book writer, but that that's probably the only kind of, like, yeah. comparison that, that would, you know, work out that way. Anywho, uh, so that's the new... But, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of shit Batman news. I mean, the comic book's fine. Like, the Black Label book may be great, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but the, the Batman book isn't fine. Uh, oh yeah, the, the, the actual Batman ongoing right now is not good. Yes, I I concur with that. But uh, all this Bat movie and TV news uh, for me, honestly, like this entire thing, like ever since like the start of the whole Snyder period of movies, um, this is Zack Snyder, not Scott Snyder, just to be clear. <laughs> um, I feel like like it's just they've just pummeled away my enthusiasm for the movie projects so until they give me something that convinces me this might not be shit i just kind of have like an apathy towards the whole thing yeah i mean out of the last five six seven years of dc movies i think you know i i i do love birds of prey i think birds of prey is great i know i know you have problems with it but i think it's a great movie and then the first Aquaman's okay. Mm. First Wonder Woman's alright, other than the final act. Yeah, no, that's true. I I think it's one of those weird things, though, where it's actually hurt in retrospect because the sequel's so shit. And because it has yeah. that disappointing third act, you can't even go, well, you know, they messed the third act up, but the sequel, like, you know, take her to great new places. And no. So now, it's you, now you've got two acts of a movie 
that are good. out of two movies. Yeah. yeah, and it's not. It's like now it's just the whole thing's a bit of a wash. Um, I I what what's come out recently? I've not seen the second Shazam movie. The first one was all right. No, that, that was that was probably the the best thing they had, which is a little sad, but it was probably the best thing they'd had in a long time. I like the new Batman movie. I know you weren't too hot on it. I thought it was really good. I, again, yeah, but I don't I don't think it's like objectively bad in in the same way that like just a mess of a movie like one Norman eighty four is, for example. Yeah, but that that's totally a case to me where it's like no, this is like this director's movie, and Matt Reeves waiting made the movie he wanted. I think Matt Reeves is a good director, a good storyteller, and it worked out. Um, that's, that's what was extra disappointing for me, because I like Reeves, I just did not like that movie. Yeah, but, so I'm looking forward to his second movie, but I'm not looking forward, Yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking that all of the slate that Gunn announced is going to be bad. Some of it actually sounds promising enough. I was fairly positive when all those announcements were made, but like, I'm not actively excited, and I probably won't be until I at least see a trailer that convinces me, hey... I, I don't think you're alone, especially judging by, like, saying, like, like The Flash is, uh, you know, box office. I think I, I think I read that if you take out the China numbers, it actually opened lower than Black Adam, which, because Black Adam didn't open in China, okay. which is why you can compare them, like, directly that way. Uh, so it's kind of... Yes, it is higher than it, you know, in, in, on on paper, but in a apples to apples comparison, mm. which is not good because that movie did bad. <laughs> well, the hierarchy of power of DC, uh, as we know, oh, oh it, it changed. It changed, yes. Um, which you know, the good news for James Gunn is that he does like nothing actually matters until. What's up, one of his projects that was been announced comes out because everything up until then it's like well it's not his fault because he just kind of came in and started developing for the next part uh, yeah. although he did say this week that Blue Beetle is the first character of the new thing although the first actual movie of the new thing is Superman Legacy which is a bit weird basically all he's really saying is is that Blue Beetle is separate enough that if people like it and enjoy the character then we can happily include him in the future plans yeah, I, I will say it gives me a, a little bit more faith in that movie because he's thrown his weight and it's like, no, I, I'm backing that movie. Whereas he very nobly did not say that about Flash. I don't know, he said that, you know, he he hired Andy Muschietti after he saw Flash, so he's kind of sticking up for it a bit. Yeah, but that, that tells me he sees things he likes from a director that's working, mm. but... He's not saying, oh, yeah, we, we want more of this Flash. We, we want more Ezra Miller. We want more of this Barry Allen. He's not saying any of those things. Yeah. I think that, that's a little bit different to me. Going, oh, no, we support this, you know, this character. Because that's like the, the in-universe. Oh, we like what this is doing in this film. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, I will see. Uh, but, yeah, Blue Beetle that's uh, coming out. Yeah, we'll see if I see it. Maybe maybe if I hear good things, I'll actually watch that one, but I don't think I'm ever going to watch Flash. Well, no. I take that back. I will watch it drunk one day just for a laugh. I've got a feeling I'll end up watching it on stream with an audience, probably playing some movie bingo or something. It seems like primed for that. Please don't make it a drinking game for me. <laughs> <laughs> last Last time we did that was the Snyder Cut, and oh my god, I was so drunk by the end. <laughs> oh dear 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 uh so there you go that's uh that's the that's the news 
all happy this week. Oh, dear. Alright, well, I suppose we can get into the comics then. Uh, we have up first Green Lantern, issue 2, Jeremy Adams writing with Zermanico on the art. And you weren't here for issue 1. Did you like issue 1? I did. I actually... That that was the week where I had read it, and then public transport screwed me over, and I had to miss the show, even though I was off. Ah. Um, so yeah, no, I actually did quite like the first issue. Good, good. Um, so this still keeps up a little bit of that dual time period thing, where we're seeing kind of the first night he became Green Lantern again in the city, uh, with his own willpower and whatnot. Um, and there seems to be a little bit more to this story, because he's flying around... He's testing his powers. There's a sort of fun little bit where there's some like robbers, uh, the the wrecking it's the crew. The demolition team. The demolition team. Sorry, I forgot their name. Do you not remember the demolition team? I do remember. I you know I've actually read some Silver Age Green Lantern, and they definitely pop up yeah. in some of those early stories. Uh, but they are on the run, and he decides to like scare them because they happen to be going to a graveyard. So he does some uh, Batman inspired scare tactics, which because he's got a Green Lantern ring involves making some ghosts <laughs> and scaring the shit out of them. And the green works for that like Spectre st- you know, style visions. I feel like if I lived in the city where Green Lantern was known for being around, I might second guess it, but the demolition crew aren't the brightest bulbs in the planet. So that, that, there's that, and <laughs> I don't. I get the impression that Greenland has not been around in the city for a while. That's true. That's true. That's been a kind of a plot point. Uh, so that's kind of the first half of the issue. Although it does end with him flying up into the stratosphere and then the, the power turning off, and he's falling. It's, it's probably the bit my favorite page of the whole book is that shot of that full page spread of him falling out of the sky. Good, good page. It's gorgeous. Um, just the, those little touches of the lights of the city, sort of, and the, you know, underneath yeah. the atmosphere. That's good stuff. Um, so I feel like there's probably more to that and, like, how he survived that that we'll probably get uh, next proper issue. I say that because uh, we have Night Terrors. Yeah, this, this um, just to jump ahead very slightly, it does say the end continues in Night Terrors. Yes. So this might be, like, a very much... It's kind of a stealth issue three. I I feel like it'll it's they've set it up and they'll continue on, but I've got a funny feeling that a lot of the threads that are in these first two issues might be conveniently ignored for two issues, just so that they do work as like two a two part standalone thing, like a standalone thing that will function from where this leaves off at yeah. the end of this issue. But yeah, maybe, maybe which. I, I guess it's only notable in the sense that you can notice it, but if you're reading in trade later, you probably wouldn't even think about it. Unless you happen, yeah. unless you happen to look at the contents and see that it's issue think, one, two, and I, then I the one, real, two. The real questions will be, well, no, a couple of things. One, the fact that it's not going to have the backup in the Night Terrors, so that'll be pretty telling on a month-to-month oh, basis. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Two, I don't know if it's a Manico or not on art for those issues. Oh, it may not be. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. That'll be pretty jarring to jump away from. And uh, three, is it going to... Like, it's it's only two issues in. It's weird to have this break. And then it is. is it going to have to do this weird, like, make sure it's standalone. So can it almost have, like, a recap of where we're at in case someone's just jumping into these two issues, even if it is functionally just carrying on? 
I mean, ultimately, this is not something I blame the book or I blame Adams for. This is on DC. An editorial decision yeah. to have made them after two issues. You're joining in with this limelight thing, and it's not just that you know Shazam's the exact same thing. Two issues, and then hey, it's time for Night Terrors. Like we we talked about that uh, last time as well. At least with this book and that book, they are keeping the writer for of the the book on for the Night Terrors issues. So at least they've got yeah. a chance to sort of make it feel as connected and as important as it can be but it is an awkward time you know like ideally if you're going to have to interrupt things you'd like to do it between arcs you'd like to you know have their six seven issue arc out the way then do your little interlude i just checked um yeah no it's a different artist was it a good artist i'm not uh panseeker Oh, that's alright then. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's not Zamanica, but yeah, it's it's not terrible. It could have been Rosmo, so that that is true. <laughs> every time, every time it's like not like one of your favorite artists. It's like you just say to yourself, it could have been Rosmo. It could have been Ramita Junior. It could have been Gellan March. I'm just trying to think of another one we didn't like. Anyway, um, so yeah, but it comes back to present day. Uh, Hal runs into Kilowog, who's just chilling at his place, his trailer, and uh, gives him some some pep talk. Um, also insults Mountain Dew uh, while he's there. Uh, so I don't blame him. I quite like Mountain Dew actually, so I, I don't know if I agree it's with Kilowog on this. <laughs> it's swell. <laughs> oh yes, because all of the other uh, soda drinks are all like upper class beverages versus I mean I don't drink that many of them to be fair but it, it, it's it's not about it's class it's just about the fact that it's bad it's not bad I bet you like it Dr is. Pepper you're sitting here no I hate Dr Pepper okay I hate I hate cherry flavouring I love cherries anything that has cherry flavouring is awful every time yeah I don't like cherry coke or cherry anything yeah yeah, it's something about the flavoring that they use that, that they, they tell me is cherry. They're like, yeah, this tastes like cherry. It, it doesn't. It never tastes like cherries. Aye. My is perfectly delicious. Uh, you are incorrect in your assessment. Um, so, there you go. I want I I to say something controversial and say it's better than something, but I'm, I'm not feeling strong enough on it to outright say it about any of the big ones. Uh, but I would take Mountain Dew over a Tango or a Fanta what? or what else should you get? A Lilt? <laughs> uh, Lilt doesn't... Is Lilt still a thing? I don't is know. Lilt the one they, they, there's one of them recently, they, it might have been Lilt, that they cancelled and it, it's just like Fanta Tropical now. Oh really? Okay. It. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. It's better than 7-Up. I'll say that. What? No, that's, that's a classic. Nah, 7-Up. 7-Up's swell. Lemon lime, swell. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, the, the the zero versions of them that you get now, they're 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 not great. No, of course not. They're all shit. But yeah. But... Anyway, uh, so we set up last issue that uh, Carol has a, a fiance, and we get a sort of a little comedy page here of how Hal went from a regular job to being a pilot on a private jet in the span of 24 no, hours. A regular job. He was in the mailroom. Yeah, like yeah. He, he was at the low end of the company. 
yeah. Um, and I think it was Ferris Air Mail Room. He just ended up driving someone somewhere, and it, it ended up with him uh, taking a jo up job as a pilot. Uh, so sure enough, he's there, and the entire time, like, I think what one of my favorite things about the art in this is Carol's face, as, like, you know, he's, like, Hal's been all nice to the new boyfriend, and, you know, joking around with him, and Carol's just, like, staring daggers at him, because she's like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> you're interjecting yourself into all this to cause a ruckus. So, um, I, I enjoyed all that, and sure enough, he does get up to some tricks here, where he intentionally jolts the plane a bit, uh, to make them spill their drinks, and then locks them in the bathroom so you can talk to Carol. Yeah, just with the green lantern ring, just just like hovering it back there and just you know ignoring him when he's like, hey, "Guys, doors locked." Yeah, I you know I enjoyed all these hijinks. I think it's fun, and he's not necessarily in the right. I think what makes this work is that Hal is sort of disrupting this in a way that's not quite right. Like he is, like. If anything, I hope he doesn't get rewarded for this. I hope, like, he has to learn that he's interfering here. Yeah, that's presumably the point, yeah. right, that it's going to go down. Yeah. That said, though, they made the new boyfriend so goddamn bland that it wouldn't surprise me if she does end up getting rid of him at some point. But, uh... He is very bland. He says something in the bathroom about, uh... If he can write off the shirt that he spilled the drink on as a business expense. And I'm like, oh god, dude, you are so dull. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Oh dear. So, yeah. So yeah, it's Hal and Carol talking about their their, their thing and how he always leaves, um, and he's trying his best. As I mean, honestly, like it's it's all kind of fun hijinksy stuff that feels right for the characters. Uh, I appreciate that we have a supporting character for Hal Jordan again because it's something I miss so much with Green Lantern for a long time. And I think what really really makes all this thing though is just the art, like the facial expressions, the little microaggressions from Carol towards Hal, uh, Hal being overly charming, uh, but sort of seeing through the like the sheen of what he's actually doing. All of that plays really well, and the art gives it the needed subtext and the visuals that you kind of need for one it. Of, one of my favorite moments for you know this specific thing you were talking about is uh, right after Hal jerks the plane for the like the quote unquote turbulence. Um, he turns to the other pilot. He's like, "You're right. Yeah, not like a fighter jet. I'll go check on the passengers." <laughs> and the the look that other pilot give, gives him, <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. It's oh, disgust. Almost like this other guy is going to get him fired as soon as they land. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, he's too dangerous. We can't have him, uh, you know, flying our jets with passengers. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's all very fun. And then just out of nowhere, the plane runs into what looks like a lot of flying ghosts <laughs> in the sky. Yes, skeletal army. Very, um... Uh, oh god, what's... Army of the Dead? No, there was a specific thing I was going to... But it, it's gone. It, never mind. Wild Hunt. It's Wild Hunt-esque. Oh, right. oh, wait, okay, okay. Uh, there we go. I got that. There you go. So a video game reference rather than a movie reference. All right. That, I mean, more of a mythology reference than anything. But are the whales hunt from something before Witcher? Yeah, like twelve different European mythologies. I don't know. Scandinavians have a lot of weird, like, stuff. All mythologies. Right. Yeah, yeah. They, they do. Oh, it's older than that. You know? Yeah, for this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Are you feeling Loki tonight? I don't know. Like, anyway, uh, so <laughs> that I mean that's basically. It. I mean the cliffhanger does kind of just come out of nowhere. Um, I do appreciate the, you know, the other pilot freaking out and asking for Hal and and just sort of like the the reveal of what's actually going on up front is kind of interesting. Um, I'm not sure exactly you know what they're going to do here but there is there's, there's a likely chance that this two-part story in night towers is going to feel like a bit of a just a fluffy diversion uh i guess all we can really hope for is that it's going to be fun for what it is uh and then we can get back it's, to business it's so irritating because i'm like okay so it's presumably following directly on with the the skeletal army in the sky that's what it's dealing with right yeah but how do you deal with that and not address all the stuff with you know, with Carol and you know, and, and being on the plane and Hal's life right now for two issues, it's going to feel so jarring if it doesn't address those after two issues of being I, so focused on that. I think you're not going to get any of the month ago stuff in the next two issues. I do think that because he's with Carol, there'll be a lot of natural back and forth and like allusions to their relationship. Uh, so I, I think that then, stuff will still be there. But I think all the month ago stuff where we're seeing how we get back into it, I think that'll be paused for two issues. Probably it's so it's so weird. Like, how essential are these two issues going to be to the story? Really? I mean, hopefully, and this is maybe asking a lot of a writer, but like, there's enti- it's entirely possible that it works on its own, and whatever happens with Hal and Carol throughout these two issues, where he's there to save her or they work together, can still tie into like their progression as a pair and their back and forth and the main story arc of the whole thing. Like, that's absolutely possible. It's it's a real juggling act, though, because it's got to do that. And also assume that there's people who are going to skip those two issues because there are random other things and still function mm. when you come back for the following issue of this to some I, degree. I don't know if you... I think if you're... Un- unless they're planning on including those in the trade. I think they probably are. And I think, especially if it's like a two... Because the way this ends, like they have to be in the trade. Like It ends with the, the T's getting into it. Like, I would hope so, but I, I have very little faith... I think you have to make a choice. Either these next two issues are skippable or you're making them just the next two issues of the run. I don't think you can balance between those two things. So I think my hope is is that it leans towards no, they are just part of the run and anyone who does choose to skip them because they just want to skip all the night terrors, it's a bit unfortunate for them, but I do kind of hope they come back for issue uh, well, three. I was going to say five, but it's issue three. It is issue three, yeah. And be like oh, I feel like I've missed a bit. Because you should have missed a bit, because t- technically the next parts of the stories were these two issues. They, they just have a different title, annoyingly. Um, yeah. It, I, I mean, no, there's nothing perfect. There's no, there's no perfect solution there, there to this. There isn't, no. Uh, but that would be my preferred, out of all the possibilities, is that it functions closer to just being the next two issues of the run, and those who skipped it will feel a little bit pissed off about it. <laughs> That's that's my pr- well because I have to read them anyway, so I'm being a bit selfish in that regard. But you know, it's just it's so frustrating because other books are just continuing with their normal numbers. What like if you if you're not gonna change writers, if it's just gonna be essentially their next issues, why not just let it happen? The 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 best case reason I can think of at all for why you would want to do it this way is it gives Amanico a chance to get ahead on another couple of issues. That's the only good reason. Well, if it was just this book, yeah, I'd agree with that. But obviously it's a lane-wide thing. So I would suggest that what it actually is, 
is they want people to have that completion. Like, for, for obviously, most people won't feel this way, but for those people who feel like, oh, well, I have to get everyone then, because it's all these ones and twos, I have to collect all the Night Terrors, they want those people who are not reading Green Lantern but get completionist's sake for the event stuff to want to buy the whole thing. And they want to oh, do an omnibus that's just this, all... This the... has omnibus all yeah. over it. I was just about to say that. Yeah, they want the omnibus with all the Night Terrors issues, like... like that it's all it's all a bit skeevy it's all a bit marketing gimmicky it's to all be a honest. bit bullshit so uh there's the backup story with john uh staying with his mother uh and she's like you're thinking of the stars you're, your mind's not here and he, he keeps denying it but she knows him too well uh he can't help but think uh but the rest of it uh is continuing this stuff in the future seemingly and I don't mind telling you, I'm not really sure what the hell's going on <laughs> in this future stuff in the backup. I'm getting vibes of um, when the core was gone and Kyle was, you know, that last light lantern, like the, the, the flame. Mm-hmm. I'm getting vibes of that. But with John for some reason. It, yeah, because like, I wasn't entirely clear on it last issue and I feel like this issue has just made me more confused about what I this I think this is. needs full issues and not I agree backwards. with that, yeah. Especially when you're trying to balance the, uh, you know, the, the stuff back on Earth with it as well. So you've only got, well, like four pages of, the, you got what, a double page, two double pages, and then at the final page, there's five pages of content in the uh, that future timeline. It's not enough. No, it's not. Um, and Johnson's obviously a good writer, and I like, like, how the stuff with the mum's written. I think those scenes work really well and i think the art here is quite good in this backup too but like because so the backup it's functionally telling two separate stories in in its what seven or eight page slot yeah and it it's that so you got like you know three pages of one thing five of another a month apart it's not enough and then now you're gonna have to go another yeah, it's like three months essentially till you read the next part. Yeah, it literally says at the end to be continued the Green Lantern issue three on sale September. <laughs> Which, yeah, like I struggled good remembering. Look, good the, luck remembering yeah. any of these five pages. I struggled remembering the last backup, and that was a month ago. There is no way in September I'm going to remember this backup story. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah, not a chance. So I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of hurt by what the format of it is. Uh, sadly. I can see it maybe working better in a like in trade form where you can just read it all the way through potentially. Yeah, in in trade form, like I assume they they're gonna cut these out and just put it as one story at the end. Yeah, I assume so. I would it, honestly, I'd have just made this a one uh, an oversized one shot. Yeah, or potentially make it bigger so that you can flesh everything out. Either or, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's unfortunate because I really like the team, but it, it's, it's just, uh, like, it's not, it's not even that it's bad because there's not enough space for it to be bad. It's just, oh, no, there's not enough time, there's not enough room for it to get into anything. It clearly has big ideas that it wants to tackle, like it's got a big story kind of brewing already, and it's got like this mystery box of what's going on, but it just hasn't got the pages to actually kind of get into the meat yeah, of that and I, make you want to know. I think I like what it's poking at, but there's just not enough to actually enjoy it as a story. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's unfortunate. All right, what are you rating Green Lantern issue two? Uh, I think I'll give it an eight. 
eight. Yeah, we'll go with eight. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it an eight as well. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it's it's got some of that back and forth with Hal and Carol. The stuff in the first half is 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 fun. I especially like the sort of the cliffhanger of that with him falling out the sky. Uh, you know, him impersonating Batman doing the uh, I am night. I am. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's got that fun spirit, but also more grounded version of Green Lantern that I've been missing for a long time. It's just part of what I liked about, uh, you know, Jessica and uh, Thingy's book at, at the time. It's like there was a lot of stuff on Earth with their fa- like with his family, especially. Oh yeah, the the Green Lanterns. Yeah. So. Yeah. She really emphasized the lanterns yeah. there. Yeah, you're gonna have to because like otherwise. All the titles kind of blend together. Yes. Uh, uh, like, like this is Green Lantern compared to Grant Morrison's The Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, there you go. Green Lantern issue two. Superman Lost issue four. Christopher Priest and Carl Pugilane on the art. Um, so, I've talked to Matt about this uh, at least three times. I don't know if you've been on any of the episodes where we talked about this. No, I had to read issue three and four today. Okay. Uh, how have you been finding it? Um, really interesting. I think it's it's dense, but in a way that I expect from priests at this point. I'm enjoying it. I think it's like, it's so different. It's <laughs> I like, think. In, but not in like not in like a, it's a bad way. It's just it's so different that it's it's making you like question it. But I think the more it's gone on, especially this issue, I'm seeing more of oh no, no this is still Superman. Uh, like this issue and, and the last issue, I think, actually, to be fair, because I kind of wrote them back. But three was the Dolphins. Yes. Yeah. So, like, three, there's a lot more. Oh, no, this is still Superman in there. I'm getting a bit more conflicted with it as we go on. I liked issue one quite a bit. And I think issue two onwards have all had this problem where I really like the two or three pages we get of, like, present day stuff where the weight of what he's been through is like hitting him and Lois and like those mm-hmm. little human moments like I really love and it makes me excited to see what he went through out there but like all of the stories of what he's actually was doing in space so far have been kind of hit and miss and some of them have just been kind of like I don't know they don't feel as bad as, <laughs> as and I know it's probably building to like the real thing that really broke him and the, the, the time that he spent out there but I know Matt's big complaint is, is that he feels that there's far too much, like, oh, Priest's really proud that he looked up a bunch of stuff, or he's got a bunch of, like, techno jargon, or talking about the way science works when he's... And that was especially problematic, I think, in, like, issue two. There was a lot of, like... Okay, I'm going to say, it's been, I don't remember yeah. that. Clark but... was talking a lot about, like, moving through space and light years, and, you know, there was, but there was a lot of jar- jargon that clearly a lot of research went into about going around galaxies and whatnot. Um... And this one, like, I like you know the the big thing here is that he's went back to the planet he, that he left before, and Can't. yeah, and he didn't want to. He's not wanting to leave again. He's not going to leave the people who are hurting here again. But he's living in a bubble that is oxygen. You know, the based. oxygen death zone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, to everyone else on the planet, it's the oxygen death zone. Yeah. Right but he's living on the Kent farm that's in this bubble there. And he's not willing to leave the people in trouble behind, even though he's got a chance to, to leave with those uh, little annoying aliens that dropped him off here in the first place. So I do think the way he's progressing through some of this stuff feels a little bit 
uh strange to me like when it when it sort of revealed that it was back on this planet it felt kind of like a abrupt transition where i i, I wasn't like I don't know if I quite felt the desperation that he had to go back the way because he realized that he was screwed kind of thing. I, I get that. I think there's a little bit of, it's supposed to feel like, no, there's a lot of time passing between issues mm. to some extent in that to really show how long he's been gone, right? Over Because obviously it's, what, it's 10 issues, I think, this book. Yeah. And he's been gone, you know, more or less a lifetime from his perspective. I think it has to skip through a lot of time you know, between issues, so to, you know, to to make it feel like there's time passing. So we just kind of, we're, we're coming back in at snippets later, but it, it, it does give it a little bit of a jarring feeling of, wait, what did I miss? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and Priest as a dense writer, he does, uh, as in he writes dense material, <laughs> not that he is dense as a person. Um, it's interesting because it's not even often like, there's, there's points where it's not even dialogue heavy, it's just, he's so intense i think i think it's more intense than dense is the word i want to use because mm. it, it, it feels like everything's so essential and serious like every panel feels like it's important even when it's you know even when it's just like a blacked out panel with one word in white on it it feels like it's really weighty and, and probably his format and his writing feels more weighty than some of the ideas actually are because like you say you, you don't get that feeling of Oh, he he had to go back, you know, because he was so desperate. Because that kind of happened between issues. Yeah. But then it feels like that moment would play so well in his style. I also feel like it's, yeah, like, part of my problem with, like, it, it's supposed to feel intense and weighty, but it doesn't to what it's supposed to feel like, because, like, this planet that he's on, and, like, the, like, okay, so what it sets up in this issue is that the leader is actually basically selling off, like, a city, to these aliens to come in and do what they want with like clark thinks they're invading he thinks there's like a an invasion happening and they're like no we've got a contract like right, did, did, didn't you get the email <laughs> and he goes and confronts this guy so obviously this idea that there's a, a leader of a planet who is just giving up like the poor city effectively uh for profit is really dark and a really like nasty concept but i think the way this the characters look the way these aliens look everything just feels like light and comic booky in terms of actual and i'm, I'm not even complaining about pig pugilian's art necessarily i think it is like an overall presentation thing where i just don't feel quite the tone that i think that the weight of these ideas is supposed to feel like and clark's whole like no what no i'm superman i can't leave without sorting these problems these people need my help they need i need to like you know make this place better and that's obviously something I can get behind as, like, you know, a Superman fan and, like, him feeling like he needs to do something and fix things. But... So I say, it feels a bit more like Superman in these last two issues, even though he's lost and stuff, you know, he had to help the Dolphins. He had to sort out that problem. He had to come back here and, and you know, he has to, now he has to intervene. Yeah. I, I do sometimes wonder, because I always get this way with Priest books, where I like the setup, but the more they go on, I start to have problems with how some of the story is being told. Where when I actually take a step back and look at the concepts and this idea that Superman in part is only gone for so long because of the choices he makes rather than because he just absolutely could not make it back. Like, no, he, he had to do the right thing. So that kept him away for longer and that potentially causing some of the stress between him and Lois because he made a choice to, to not come back as quick as he could. Yeah. Like that idea and how that affects their relationship 
is great. That that is a, a absolutely a thing you should explore with these two as a married couple. Um, it's one of these things. Every time, like you know, Dan Diddy or someone says, "Oh, we have to reset the characters, so there's drama again." Like I'm like, no, you can have drama with a married couple. Like there's so many things to explore with like a long term partnership and how they handle like the fact that he's an alien who yeah, flies off and I, does things. I cannot wait until it'll be somewhere in the last three issues of this book where it's just an issue of him and Lois sat down in a room for the entire issue. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be one of the best issues of the year. It'll probably like, be great. I, I think yeah. like, it'll, it'll, he will knock it out of the park with that issue. That should be great. Um, I think the way he tells the rest of the story, though, isn't quite clicking for me. Um, That's which, fair. Which is a shame. I'm, I'm kind of... It's something that I think is it's, it's very much... It's a priest-style book, and the more I read of them the more I'm understanding kind of what that is and the more I'm kind of getting into it. Like, it, it's, it takes a different mindset of, like, when I sit down to read this book, you, know, you kind of have to approach it differently to how I approach, I don't know, Batman, right? Like, uh, what you, what, you know, even, even just like action, you know, Philip K. Johnson's action comics right now. I, have, I almost have to come out with a different mindset of what I'm going to read. Yes, they're both Superman books, but they're both so wildly different in the way they're telling their story that they, I have to come at the book differently. I think once once I know once I realise that I can come at the you know a priest book in that way, I find I enjoy them more. Yeah, uh, the cliffhanger this everyone. issue is uh, so he's negotiating with a lot of aliens, and they're like, "Look, we don't give a shit about you saving these people. Besides, you know, like there's only one of you, and there's all of us." You'll have to do this alone, and then someone says he doesn't have to, and then a Green Lantern of some kind uh, is the final page. There's a, a female Green Lantern who, uh, you know, I, I don't recognize her. I don't know. She's pink. Seems to. Yeah, she's got and she's got like a. I won't call them tattoos, but she's got like light, like shapes on her arms and stuff. Yeah, I don't know if they are actually glowing or if they are like more tattoos and they're just illuminated with the light. From I, I was thinking making. it was more of a natural skin like pattern thing rather than tattoos per se. Yeah, it could be. Just because, you know, alien. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that leaves us off with a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, so, you know, I was not expecting that. I don't know where that's going to go. Um, I think what I really like is um, there was a lot of stuff in, I don't know if it was issue two or three, of Clark talking about how uh, the Green Lanterns make space seem so easy. You go here, mm. you go there, zip, zap, zoom, you get home. And he's like, I, he never like, appreciated the weight of how one mistake and you're stuck out here. And then now, oh, a Green Lantern shows up. And, and it's a cliffhanger of, again, it's like, well, this seems like an easy way home. A Green Lantern would, any Green Lantern would man get back. Uh, this, this should be job done. And it's like, okay, what goes wrong now? What what choice does he make now to mm. to mean that he doesn't get home? Yeah, and that's what like you know is interesting to me about the next issue. That's that's what has me excited about it is how how does it's not what necessarily goes wrong. It's what happens to make him choose to not go back with this Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of potential here. I I think priest's writing. Is just sometimes like I almost do wonder if I'd I, it would be better in trade. Like you know the the leaving it, you know a month between issues just makes it very hard to like dive back into his stories in that in a lot of ways. 
Um, you know, because it took me a second to realize where he was when it cut, you know, because that planet wasn't in the last issue. That was issue, like, two that we saw all this planet and stuff. Um, yeah. Because issue two was that, and then I think issue two was also like, the giant, like, nano, like, style alien that, like, made a, sort of basically formed themselves into Superman for him to no, fight. No, no, that was three, because that, that, that was where the dolphins were feeding. That's where the dolphins were, that's right, that's right, that's right. Right, so that was last issue. Um, so, you know, it took me a second to readjust when like, I was like, wait, where is he? Is this like a flashback to on the Kenton farm? But it can't be. I appreciate that it, it gives you a good few pages until it's like he's he's conversing with this this guy. And it's not until like you're quite far into the conversation, it's like, oh, oh he's back here. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I love what Priest's playing with, and I, I think all the ideas are great. And I... You know, it's certainly if the weeks keep being quiet enough, I'll, I'll keep reading it and see where it goes. Because you've only got three books on this yeah. week, you might as well, right? And I do suspect that, yeah, there probably will be some nice payoffs to some things. Uh, if we do get an issue that is just him and Lois talking about what happened. Um, I feel it's an inevitability. And there's going to be at least two pages of them sitting there in silence. Yeah. But that makes me also wonder, like, what... Is there anything else he's going to do that he's going to have to feel really guilty about? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yes, 100%. Okay. There's, there's still six issues left of this book. And obviously part of his guilt and his PTSD is, is the time he's been away, clearly. But also, there is something that's happened. So, you know, Some decision he's made while he's been gone, I think, that, that is you know, eating at him more than just the time. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, what are you giving Superman Lost issue four? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Yeah, it's a hard one for me to rate because I'm kind of mixed on it, ultimately. But I like a lot of the ideas. Combination of you, you like all the ideas, but you're not entirely loving the execution, mark, yeah. maybe. Yeah, it's just... It's, just, it's, it's, it's not the most... Like, it's not even like I, I can't enjoy a weighty read that's jumping around a lot. Like, you know, I, I love, like, a lot of the, you know, like, Black Label Tom King books and things like that. As I say, this is, it, it has a very similar vibe yeah. to a lot of those. Um, But there's just something about the way Priest actually paces them out and, like, jumps around that's just a little bit more hard for me to get it, into. It's funny, because the way you're describing that, that's how I feel about a lot of the Tom King ones. Where I'm like, I should lie this on paper, everything's there, but I just don't enjoy reading it. Yeah, I think I'll just go with a six for this one, and you know I hope I like the next one more. I do because I I do like a lot conceptually what's going on. Uh, but Priest does seem to have this thing with me where I always like I like the first issue or two, and then it starts to kind of slide. So we'll see. Uh, all right, Spirit World issue two, Alyssa Wong writing with Haining on the R. So I actually wasn't super into the first issue of this, but there wasn't a lot of books this week, so I thought I'll read issue two yeah. anyway. Why Do you not? hate it more? I like it less <laughs> than the first issue. That's that, that's significantly tamer than hating it more, though. <laughs> I don't want to be that harsh. I don't think it's like yeah. you know, it's not trash or anything, but I, I just you know the book fundamentally is not for me and one of the things I talked about in the first issue there's a lot of things on its own that I could have liked if they were more drawn out like for example in the first issue Constantine and uh, uh, Xanthi go to like a sorcerer's home or whatever it is right and some mm -hmm. spooky stuff happens and there's like bollocks going on and 
see if that was like half the issue and it was building up slowly and being kind of cre- a creepy horror story and then something creepy happened that was spooky i'd be kind of into it but this issue reminded me how i felt in that and that everything's just so very blatantly up front like immediately it's all the supernatural stuff and immediately this is how everything works and i mean the the cliffhanger last issue was xanthi's mother running into them and then this issue more or less starts with this family awkward family dinner and within a few pages xanthi's storming out but their mother has like a like a binding hex thing so those supernatural qualities to the yeah. family as well i don't know like i'm like jesus christ there's so much like just going on here like i just i, I like more a sprinkling of the supernatural stuff rather than just you know immediately there's just all this stuff going on yeah i, don't, I think it, it is definitely fair to say that's a taste preference thing on you as opposed to this being objectively a bad approach because i think yeah that's fair that's that's because totally this fair. is not trying to be the oh there's something mysterious going on no this is this is an out and out fantasy book like from the offset it's very you know in your face with it yes and that was a choice they made that maybe works less for you but isn't necessarily a bad choice i just like for me like fantasy elements the way i do like them they're better for me when it is a more grounded world they're surrounded by because they feel more special in a grounded surrounding whereas you know whereas here it's like oh we're just going back and forth between the spirit world willy-nilly <laughs> like everyone's got magic i think i think yeah. the problem is with what you what you were saying a minute ago is you've kind of conflated two things one which is a legitimate problem or a legitimate critique and one is your preference mm-hmm so the point of it, oh, it's kind of all in your face. You know, it's there's there's a lot of fancy elements all, all immediately there. I think that's a fair that that's not a fair critique of the book. That's your preference. But the bit about the pacing of the story elements, like, okay, we're in the we're in the family meal, and then mum pulls out a hex to you know, and you know, and and Xanthi tries stopping it after like three or four pages, saying that maybe that's too rushed as a as a character beat. Mm. I think is a fair critique. Especially so I, since I think you're conflating the two a little bit. Yeah, and we did end the last issue on that. Oh shit, their mother's here, and yes. that feels like it should be a big deal. And it feels like it's kind of like the impression I'm getting from this is that Xanthi died as a young child, and they've been under the impression they've been dead the whole time. So it feels kind of weird that this was more like Xanthi ran away when when they were like eighteen, and this is like maybe a few years later. <laughs> awkwardly run into each other you know it, it had a bit of a different vibe and obviously the family the, definitely knows that they're dead yes and obviously it had that bit with a sister where the sister's like i you know i never knew you uh i we never I was born after you died yeah you I, know, I, I, think, I think the sister says that but the sister says no but i've been giving you this little like reef thing at your grave you know or i made this for you because we don't really go to your grave anymore and Xanthi's like, oh, you're why I'm still connected to this world. Like, you're this tether because you still care about me. And this, that's, like, a sweet enough moment on its own. Um, but I, I do think some of these ideas could be, like, fleshed out so they mean more, uh, ultimately. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like I say, it, that's the thing where, the, like you're saying, there's the, the two things here. One's a taste thing, one's an actual critique. I do think that because I have both of those, they do they're naturally fusing into one they compound problem. a little bit yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's why i think my biggest because i okay 
staff, I'm a lot more positive on the book overall than you are because it does play more to my tastes. I'm very much into, now nah, screw it, this is a big fantasy world with monsters and the dead and everything, just, you know, and hexes from the off. I'm, I'm all in for that. I, I agree with the pacing for some of the character beats being a little too fast, like the the family meal. Like, on, on one hand, Xanthi's being treated shittily. They're being, like, obviously, you know, dead-named a lot. I, I really like the way it letters that, um, with just, like, the scrawl. Uh, instead of telling us what the name was. Yeah. Um, I like that. And obviously, they, you know, they should be responding as such, but also, you know, the same time, it's like, okay, it's like four pages into this book. Do we, do we just a big know exactly Xanthi's, uh, like, history with this? Like, I don't think it's come up too much yet, has it? In, in what way? Well, like... Like the whole, I didn't even know they had a dead name. Like that, that was surprising to me when it kind of came up. I th- was this I something that was new? I don't know. I'm getting this from context yeah. as well. Yeah, um, yeah no, just... I got it from context. What was going on, obviously, but I, I just wasn't sure. I, I'm, I'm assuming again because I don't think I read the. I don't think I read the Lazarus Planet issue with them in. Yeah, I mean. I mean, right from the start, they've been referred to as they and them. So, like, yes. I, I got non-binary at least, like, immediately. And, and but... I don't know if, I don't know if it was clear before that they had a different name before, but I think it was it was very clear in this scene, like yeah, immediately, yeah, no. like the, the the very first time it did it, I was like, what, what's going on here? Because it was like the second panel in of the of the scene. And but by the end of the page, I'm like, oh, okay, I, it, it I was Xanthi's reaction here. to it being used over and over again. You know, it made it clear. So if this was the reveal of this, if this was the t- explaining it, to the audience that this is a thing, then that was a good way of doing it. I, I'm just questioning, yeah. have I forgotten, like, a tease from before? Because I, I'm not 100% sure. But also, it, it's... Because um, so you have the, the, the dead name, and then it, it even puts in bold, um, oh, we have our little girl back. Ah, and then you have yeah. just the reaction of them sitting, staring at the bowl, like, you know, fists clenched. Uh... And it, it's Constantine who pops up, like you know, like, you know, what's what's going on here? Yeah. So I, I yeah, it was it was it was interesting. I, um, I, I guess because when I just thought non-binary, I didn't necessarily think a non-binary person would have a dead name. So that's why I'm thinking, oh, there's more to their, you know, I guess so. sexuality I and stuff that I'm. They they can if they want to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Right. I mean, technically, yeah. anyone could choose their name, I suppose. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I just went just for the fun of it and went and legally changed my name to I don't know, uh, Star Killer or something. <laughs> like I don't know if I'd refer to Peter as a dead name. I would feel a bit disrespectful. Well, no, it wouldn't. Who actually have dead case, names? I, I agree, but I think in this case, it's intrinsically tied to their yeah, identity, yeah. which does make it that. And two, there's almost a a literal dead name. Here, as as opposed to just the you know the the way we're you know using ah, it already. That's a good where, point. Yeah, because they they literally died. Yeah, but they're more alive than the other spirits, seemingly as well, because they're jumping back yes. and forward all willy nilly, like so. Yeah, like there's definitely something going on. I think like I'm I'm really enjoying all the stuff with Xanthi so far in this book. I'm really into it. Uh, and conversely, I was I'm also really enjoying all the stuff in the other stuff with with Cass. But it feels very separate, and I wish the two plots were a little bit more cohesive right mm. now. 
I think that's my biggest problem with this with this issue is that they are so kind of just running on separate lines right now. Yeah, and they obviously it seems that they're probably going to like merge a bit more next time because at the end of the issue or towards the end of the issue, Xanthi and Constantine do come into the spirit world. Uh, yeah. But and I guess that was the other thing that I wasn't feeling here so much is that you know they go to, like Cass and Co go to like the the local kingpin or something in spirit world. Yeah, they're in like the underworld. Yeah. Like, obviously they're in the spirit world or anyway, but there's like the the shady part of town even there. Yeah. And it's all this eccentric type character. It doesn't help that I just watched Tron Legacy for uh, the Ace and like Michael Sheen's got a character in that that this made me think of that I hated. Um, I haven't watched that movie in years, but I remember loving it and still has one of the best soundtracks of any film ever. It's got a good score. I, I, I thought it was just okay, but the, the score is, is good. Like, that's, I, I don't even want to say it's Daft Punk's finest work because it's not, but it's probably their second finest work. But, I mean, come on now. Like, that CG face on uh, Jeff Bridges, you, you got to admit, that's pretty rough. Yeah. 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 Well, not, not the best. And, uh, product of its time T- Tara was trying to tell me it was good at the time no, I, I think it was I remember at the time it being um, like hey this this looked pretty decent again at the time but that was a while ago now <laughs> I, 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 I refuse to believe that I ever looked good but <laughs> did you not watch it at the time no no I just saw it for the first time oh really okay I didn't realise that yeah so I was not uh... yeah yeah no it, it at the time it was oh man this looks great like for what was a what was a possible at the time? It was like cutting edge. Yeah. Well, technically, things like that have gotten better, and I'm still of the opinion we just shouldn't do it because it's always got a bit of a weird. Thing for to more, it. May- maybe look at a recent movie that just came out that we we were shitting on <laughs> at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, no, though. No, no spoilers. No, 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 but. What was that about dodgy CG? It's all from his perspective. Don't worry about it. Oh, dear. Uh, so the characters don't actually run into each other. There's not both, but they're, they're all in spirit world at the end, and there's a big tentacle eye monster thing chasing Constantine and Xanthi into the spirit world. The fact that you throw in some Lovecraftian monsters into this now, I'm even more into it. Yeah, but I want to feel existential dread if there's a Lovecraftian monster. That's fair. But all those eyes, I don't know. I, I think the, the part of the appeal for me here is just it's a visual feast. Like the showcase, it's it's a gorgeous looking book. I, I absolutely love the art in this. Um, With the one caveat of Cass looking kind of young. Yeah, that, uh, that's just the art style, I guess, that's doing that's that. That's the art style, yeah. But like... like because even then, I don't th- in fact, Const- I don't think- that was one of my complaints actually uh, with Constantine and I had the first issue, or maybe it was the Lazarus thing, but I didn't get it was Constantine until they said it was Constantine for like a few panels. Because- oh, even with that, like, with the coat and the tie? No, no, because when you first see him, he's sitting at like a desk and like, whatever the previous oh, issue okay. was, and it wasn't clear until someone said who he was. I'm like, wait, that's Constantine? He looks like 22. <laughs> he's like a slightly younger looking Constantine, but not like awfully, but like, I don't think... Xanthi looks particularly young. I think their family at the start of this issue looks like, like they, they look like middle-aged parents, right? You know, they, they, like they look appropriate. Sure, I'm not about disputing it, that. It's Cass who looks particularly young for me. Um, but, you know, it's something I can overlook. You know, it's not, it's not like a deal-breaker when the rest of the art is that good. And uh, 
the colours in particular, I think, are absolutely gorgeous, and they really make it pop. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Sebastian Cheng did the colours, and abs- absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the art's obviously a very strong style. It's just very consistent, and, like, I can't... Like, no one can accuse it of being house style or just being... Sort of. Yeah, no, you can you can definitely come into this and say it's not to your tastes again because that's you know always a preference thing with someone's art style, but it is a style, and you know that was a, a choice that was made, and I I definitely appreciate it. not just this one but the other uh, the other books that this launched with, um, you know, in the the this Legends line or whatever they're called it, I think uh, the We Are Legends. They f- they all feel very unique in terms of like oh like DC are putting out these books but they they don't feel like anything else and I I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like just cemented that this is my least favorite of the of the three, and that's that's, that's fine. Um, yeah. like I read issue two because it was a quiet week. Um, because of the night terror stuff, I feel like next month won't be like that. So this is probably my last issue of Spirit World, and I just kind of read it this month because of more courtesy than anything else. Uh, that's fair. Um. I think it's fair to say that, like, having the variety of those three books is good. You're bound to like at least one of them, whoever you are. Just uh-huh. on, like, I think objectively the quality of all of them is at least good. Like, it's at least a perfectly good readable issue. And then it's down to kind of taste as to which ones you like more. Maybe, maybe, maybe one of them is maybe slightly better written than some of the others, for example. But I think, you know, when these were announced, this was always the one that you were going to like the least slash possibly outright hate and the fact that you don't outright hate it is maybe a testament that it's not not that bad yeah i don't really want to read any more of it so don't take that too uh positively but <laughs> i mean the fact that you even came back for a second issue though like when this was announced i expected you to get halfway through the first issue and then put it down in rage no 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 i give it a proper go uh but anyway what are you giving spirit world issue to uh, I'm going to give it a 7. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm 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 here for more of it. Yeah. I'll give it... I don't know, I feel weird giving this one anything because it's, it's mostly a taste thing, but uh, for me, it's like a 5, I guess. That's fair. Yeah. But Asterix, it's mostly taste reasons rather than anything else. Uh, Alright. So we've got some Patreon books to talk about. Carl's uh, got two, I've got one. So we'll, we'll back and forth. Carl can start off with uh, Tim Drake, Robin, Issue 8. His other favourite book. How dare you? How, how, how very dare you suggest something like that? It is still, unsurprisingly, a bad book. Even without Rosmo. Uh, I'm just trying to get up to get the... Uh, the artist for it because that that would be fair um it's still i don't want to say rosmo-esque because it's not in terms of like it's like it doesn't have the faces or anything like that it's not like you know really rounded but at the same time it's not like a thousand miles away It, it doesn't feel like it's a completely different book, you know. To be fair to it, it's it's pretty consistent, or as consistent as you're going to get with changing artists, especially away from someone as such a distinctive style as Rosmo does have for Barrel Worse. Uh, 
I, think, I, I do think a large part of that is probably the colors are really doing a good job in uh, keeping it pretty consistent. Um, the artist is uh, Nicola, oh, here it goes, Sismezha, which I definitely butchered. Um, it's definitely some I've I feel like they did some, did they do some of the, the Red Hood book? I feel like they did some of the Red Hood book that I despise. You're getting PTSD of like a previous <laughs> Patreon book now. <laughs> I think I might be. Like, am I wrong? Maybe they didn't. Work like, on the, that. the ghost of Red Hood past has come to haunt me. Like, I don't know. Maybe they didn't work. I'm gonna have to Google their name to see if they did work on it. But uh... they definitely, they definitely did the uh, the Azrael book recently, which I enjoyed. Um. That was good. Um, maybe they just did some uh, Red Hood stuff in Urban Legends. That's what I'm looking at. I don't think they did the Red Hood book, but it's similar. But the art is better in as much as, like I say, it's, it's Rosmo-esque in its colour palette here. It's Rosmo-esque in its, its layouts. It's still a little bit rounded in terms of... There's a lot of soft edges. There's a lot of really thick lines around faces. Um like really strong inks but it's not cartoonishly round and long faces like Rosmo has it's kind of a toned down version to more palatable to what I like but still not my favorite because it's trying to still match that style um but yeah no this issue it if it, it's uh it, it's got Batwoman here she crash lands on Tim's boat. And by crash lands, I mean she literally falls out of the sky, um, hits her head, and has no memory of the last few months. Uh, all they know is, you know, it actually says, oh, the last thing she remembers is helping Harley, uh, which I assume was when we had that Harley team up in, in the Harley book that I was also forced to read before this with Rosmo and the same writer. Um... But that was a while ago, like I, I assume in universe, because they talk about how yeah, Tim Tim's like, hey, I've seen you load since then, you know, we you helped me move into this boat, you know, you you threw a party, you know, we we've done stuff. Uh, so her her memory's been gone for a little while, you know, it's wiped out a bit, and you know they they go, oh, we got we found some blood on her gloves, they're tracking it down, they're like, okay, here we go. So it's him and Batwoman and Sparrow, which is one of the, the people in Tim's gang. And they go out and, and they run into, you know, there's trouble. And, you know, the detective from the urban legend stuff with Tim's there, uh, Detective Williams. And there's, there's a big, like, you know, there's, everything's on fire at the bottom of this street. And, you know, Williams is there, you know, the detective is crouching behind the van with his gun out. and Everything's going off, and Batwoman and Tim are like charging down. Like, hey, no, you know, answers are there. But Sparrow gets injured, and by injured, uh, very badly. She gets like stabbed multiple times in the gut. And it's maybe she's dead because, uh, yeah, the, there's a or, well, or dying at the very least, because the very last thing of the, of the issue is the detective grabbing. Presumably her walkie-talkie. I don't know why she's carrying a walkie-talkie. Or how he's using this to communicate with Robin. It's a bit unclear. 
but he's grabbing, he's, he's yelling into a walkie-talkie to Robin that, hey, Sparrow's not going to make it. She, she's dying. Um, but Batwoman's off on one. She, she's like, no, no time. The answer's here. Sparrow will be fine. And, you know, they, they get to the guy that they're chasing down, and he's like, oh, I was wondering when you'd get the message. He's like, oh, yeah, no, it's not for Batwoman. It's for you. And he, he grabs uh, Batwoman. He's literally got her by the throat. Like one arm behind her back on a, on a, around her wrist and then holding her throat with the other. And he's like, oh, thank you, Robert. You've helped us capture a child killer. And that's the end of the issue. And it's like, what? what? Like, what is going on here? What could possibly she have done in that like time where she's lost her memory to make people think she's a child killer? Uh, it's very, very unclear, and it's not in a good, like, oh, mystery way, just murky storytelling way. Like, I like the stuff like the detective, he, he's just at the scene already, just pure coincidence. And then you don't see him in any of the action. He's just cowering behind the van. Like, I forgot he was there until the very last page, and this is probably a good eight or ten pages later from when we saw him last where he's on the walkie-talkie going, hey, hey, Sparrow's not going to make it. I was like, where did he come from? Like, I'd forgotten he was there, because he's, he shows up for like a page, he's gone for half the issue, and then he's essential in the final panel. It's it's really awkward. Like, just awkward storytelling and pacing. And yeah, this book is so, so bad, and I hate that it's so bad, because... <laughs> I, I really wanted to like it. And I think I said earlier this was the same... Did I say it was the same writer as the Harley Quinn book? It's it's not. It's the same art. It was, Rosmer was the link, but it, I don't think it was the same writer. That was Phillips, right? Yeah, and this is Phillips. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not the same writer. But following on from that, which uh, with that link with Rosmer. But, yeah. I don't think <laughs> I was paying attention enough to catch that mistake. No, I, I've just... I've, I, I've just As I was thinking, I was like, did I say that? I don't know if I did or not, or if I just mentioned the Rosmo. You could have said Elvish but, wrote this, and I, I just ignored it. <laughs> Elvish? Elvis. Yeah, no, yeah, it sounded like you said Elvish, then. Um, fine, I'll do my Sean Connery impression and talk about tennis and... Yeah. Uh, well, sends it on us. I can't think of a word because it ends with S. Yeah, there's so many words in the language that end with S and you can't think of any. <laughs> oh well. Um, uh, no, it's it's a bad book. It's a badly written book. It's I hate it more because I wanted a good Tim book. I hate it slightly less because it's not Rosmo and it's a slightly more palatable version of Rosmo's art in this issue. So but but still like not my favourite art here. Um, yeah, I'll leave it like a four. Oh, baby. All right. Yeah, not enjoying this. Well, uh, my Patreon book uh, to do today is Batman and the Outsiders, issue four, uh, by Mike W. Barr and Jim Aparo. And, you know, I've appreciated the continuity in these these early issues so far, and this kind of does that. Like, it's, this spends probably half its issue just doing the life stuff. Just, you know, the... Hale's living with uh, Katana. Um, I don't know if Geoforce is living uh, with someone or he's just showing his place off because it's this fancy place that looks very expensive. But he's sort of dealing with some of the, like, okay, this is the team sort of settling in Gotham and how they're getting on. Um, 
I mean, the main like story arc of this issue is a little on the weak side because it basically all boils around Katana keeps like complaining to Halo to grow up and do things better, and Halo's like acting like a teenage girl who's been told off by her mom and is like, "Ah, oh, you hate me! Like, you you don't care about me." You know, it just it sounds like you know teenage girl like angry at their mother talk. Um, but of course, by the end, they're they're hugging and like reaffirming their friendship uh after like, the the action goes down and that's basically it it feels a little bit forced so we can have the arc by the end even though the idea of them having some you know some conflict some you know growing pains of like uh not even just living together but just being around each other is a little bit interesting but um but yeah so they're trying to uh, train halo to use their powers properly and uh the team are all sort of you know and it does a good little thing here but they all have a comment on it uh where metamorpho was like ah oh, okay you didn't do very well there but you know you, you get three strikes you, you you can do it again and blackline's like yeah you've got another chance and then setting up the plot of the issues katana's like for a warrior there may not be a next time so it's you know the harsh like get it right kind of attitude so the villain of this though is one man meltdown who I'm not familiar with. I'm in. <laughs> uh, but he escapes uh, when he doesn't get parole, effectively. Uh, or something to that effect, anyway. Um, basically, yeah, the warder of the prison is basically, you're not getting what you want. Yeah, all, you're... You... All, all I'm saying right now is, all I'm picturing is the uh, the Dungeons & Dragons movie. The new one? Yep. Okay, I've not seen that, that's That's a, a kind of a the inciting plot. Is escaping because of lack of parole. Ah, okay, and okay. just them yelling, Jonathan. Uh, but so he, he flies off, and he can sort of, I don't know, he, he can turn into like a radioactive dude who like is melting stuff around him and shit. Um, again, like I'm just assuming general radioactive energy stale powers because it doesn't really go into too much of an explanation. Uh, but Shitty yeah, firestorm, got it. But you get um, uh, yeah. What's his face? Geoforce showing off his fancy uh, country house to to Metamorpho. Uh, so they're bonding a little bit, uh, although Metamorpho gets a little bit pissed off when uh, Geoforce is reading about him and Sapphire in the paper. Uh, I, lo- I love how this, like, will him and Sapphire, like, like stay together has been a thing that's been going since the early 80s, <laughs> and it still what comes up every time there's a Metamorpho it's- story. It's a very long will they won't they story, isn't it? <laughs> this this is why it was was it the uh whatever the Wade book was recently with the with the Metamorpho stuff where I was, it was like, the world's I, finest. Yeah, I was like I, I, this is this is the same story I've seen a thousand times because it's every story with them. Uh Black Lightning's uh, been approved to start teaching in Gotham, uh and he feels a bit conflicted about it. Uh, he says, you know, I wanted this, but I don't really feel very happy about it. And it never really goes back to that either. So I do. I really appreciate that this book does like deal with their lives. It's not just like what the villain is and them getting after them. It really does feel more like a TV show where you're getting like like ongoing things with them like bonding and how the team's shaping up. Uh, but the the prison warden apparently can call in Batman just like Gordon can because Batman goes to see him and he's like, "Hey, this dangerous guy's, uh, you know, escaped the prison, so go after him." And Batman's encountered him before. Uh, it's it's the same old thing. He, there was an accident in a lab when he was trying to rob it that transformed him into, well, one man meltdown. 
he almost killed Superman once, apparently. Uh, I don't know if that's from continuity or if that's just something he likes to say. They've, thro- they've thrown in here. No, is no, it something no. he likes to say? Oh, as an editor's note. No, this is Batman saying that, and there's like a panel oh. of it. So I'm, 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 I don't oh. know if this is something the writers have just put in for this, or if this is actually from an old issue. Oh, it sounds like something that he'd be he collect like that that shit. If he wants to say, "Hey, I almost killed Superman once." <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Batman, you know, plays off. This gives the team their mission. So they're staking out places that he might be going. Uh, Star Labs, in this case specifically, and sure enough, he's trying to break in with his powers. And Metamorphos disguised himself as a bin <laughs> to sneak up on him, uh, which is just a fun panel. It, honestly, one man meltdown. He looks kind of like. Uh, like an inverse Cyclops, because he's got like a black, like you know, tight mask over his face, and then the yellow kind of visor. Okay. Right. So he's kind of like a reverse Cyclops, but then the rest of his suit's red. Uh, so it's, it's like a cy- Cyclops with different colors, effectively. Uh, but all the team get involved. Uh, but ultimately, Halo becomes kind of the linchpin of the whole thing. Um, and her powers fail when she tries to interact with them. Her his meltdown, like radioactivity, kind of like destabilizes her uh but you know they're able to get in um and like basically all of his radiation's been taken away and it turns out he actually kind of feeds on it and he he needs more radiation um and this all kind of turns out that the warden actually basically screwed him it's a bit of a shawshank style situation where the guy's actually been really good in prison and genuinely wanted to like reform um and the warden effectively screwed him because he was useful to him so we get this kind of kind of thing where batman actually catches the warden in the act try to burn files and records uh, and comes in and uh the wardens are like ah there's no such thing as you know like reforming a, a criminal they all just stay criminals uh so it's, it's kind of like trying to play up to like batman's worst sensibilities where he's like ah oh, you know these guys will just be back out on the street but no, it turns out this guy was actually trying his best to, uh, to you know, become better. Um, so, you know. Um, and that's basically the end of the story. Uh, Metamorpho actually ends up, like, giving him radiation, because uh, he can turn into, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to form radiation. Uh, so it turns out they're actually helping him put this corrupt warden away. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, it, I mean, that's pretty much the, the bulk of the plot. It's probably not been the most exciting of, of the issues. Like, I, I've enjoyed some of the other setups a little bit more. But um, I did like the twist um, here with the, the Corrupt Warden. Um, just because it, it, it changed things around from just getting the bad guy. The fact that the bad guy wasn't actually that bad. Uh, so, you know. Um, but he's actually, you know, he, he willfully goes back to prison uh, to, like, you know, settle his time and whatever um so yeah uh, and then the end of the issue is just uh katana and halo kind of having a heart-to-heart and bonding um and it's like yeah i'm only you know i, I only, i'm so hard on you because i want to make sure you're you know i've lost everyone in my life i want to make sure you're strong enough not so that i don't lose you too all that kind of thing um and they hug so uh yeah, I mean, that basically, yeah. I I don't think it has quite the strength of what the last story was, like the one with the the villain who was holding meetings in Gotham Square Garden, um, or the two part introduction story. But like, it's a solid enough issue, and I appreciate that it is like 
inching forward all of the personal life stuff. Like, it's kind of my favorite thing about the book right now. Uh, that said, though, One Man Meltdown is a great name, and it's a nice, fun, campy, uh, old-school comic book villain, which I really like. Uh, bring him back. Yeah, the next issue is actually not an issue of this. It's uh, an issue of New Teen Titans. So uh, that's what I'll be doing next time for for this. But yeah, so that was fun. So this one was probably more like uh This was probably more of a 7 out of 10, this one. Uh, whereas I mean, yeah, I've been a little bit more positive on the, the, the rest of the issues so far. But not bad. Any means. So there you go. Uh, which will take Connor onto his next Patreon book, which is Noctera issue 12. Yeah, um, start of the third arc, which there's a problem a couple of pages early on, which was a bit frustrating. So the the very first like page is fine. It's a, it's a flashback to like 13 years ago. It's just a it's just M doing some reckless stuff, just showing off what he was like just before everything kicked off. Him doing some like daredevil stuff on a bike with some like home rig jet fuel that he's like put on the bike to try and make a bigger jump. Um, and then like a slightly awkward page that frustrated me because the second page it's all black. Um, with like four, five narration boxes on it, and it's telling this story of. You know how they were. They were essentially when they were four, they were abandoned by their parents and left in their car seat in the middle of the road to be hit. And you know they were talking about how oh, that you know they managed to, at four years old, realize that if they could swing themselves around so that they were facing the the cars and the headlights, the ref- they'd have a better chance of being seen with the reflections, so that they might not get hit and someone would stop and you know see them. Which is great. I, this 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 story, this backstory is, is is solid. It's the fact that all of this is just told over a black page, and we don't see anything. Even, even if we were just seeing, like, I know it's it would be dark to draw all of this. It's a four year old, you know, in the middle of the road. But I don't know, especially when the whole point is about headlights and and it being really bright. Doing it on a black page feels like a strange artistic decision to maybe me. a blinding white light or something would have been yeah but then i guess i guess they're like eh, is that a bit more uncomfortable to read especially in the age yeah. of digital yeah maybe i don't know uh, but yeah i thought you liked this book you've been all negative i do i do i and i like everything after the issue well most things in the issue after the first few pages because you have those two pages which so I like the first page. I like the backstory. I like having that. I just I, I kind of don't really like the the uh, the stylistic approach to the, that second page. And then you've got like two pages of just recap, basically, of this is what the book is. This is what these characters are. You know, they're ferrymen. They you know, this is Sundog Convoy. And I'm like, okay, this is the third arc. I get that it's been on break for a few months, but little bit of faith right at this point to not it's the the absolute basics of the the reiterating here like issue one basics um it's a little bit over, overdone um but it's just them they're doing their stuff they get in towards um argus which is a big massive uh i think it's like a, an observatory like a like telescopes and stuff they got rejigged into reflecting light and you know they use the you know they use it to focus the light instead 
Um, so it can like, let out like really powerful beams to stop anything. And you know they're in a chase. There's there's big beasts, you know, big shadows chasing them. That they're, they're taking one of them out, and they're like radio in the tower, being like, "Hey, you know, use your use all your powerful beams. We could really use some help." And it takes a little while, but they, they finally come on and you know and, and help them out. And they you know they pull up and they're banging on the door. They're like, "What the hell took you so long?" And it's Val that opens the door in her new outfit with the you know the blacked out stuff that we had in the the Val special from last time. And I'm a little conflicted here because from the character's point of view, she died last issue. And I feel like a little bit more time of those characters mourning her and missing her and, you know, some time without might have been more effective. I think to have her back within half an issue for these characters is a little bit quick. Um, it's a little frustrating, but I like everything... After I want, okay, right, they're together now. Let's get over that. I I like what it does with the stuff that they are here. I just wish that we'd had some time apart first, um, preferably without Val in the book at all, because we just had that special you know one shot. So I think maybe if you you spend some time without her and just follow the rest of Sunday, even if it's just for a, a couple of issues of just them doing their stuff without her, learning, you know, seeing how they've learned to cope. Uh, without the person who was their leader. Um, it's kind of lost here. We get a little bit in context. We we see that M's kind of stepped up uh, and become the leader. And at one point, uh, M tries to you know give it back to Val. I'm like, hey, you're the leader. And, and Val's like, no, 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 that's, that's you now. Uh, says, you know, she's the sheepdog. Uh, the the girl who they were, you know, they were shepherding, you know, who they were taking is, is the, uh, is the sheep. And, you know, you're, you're the, you're the shepherd, you know, you got to be the leader now and and take us to Eos and, and get us in there. And, and, and there's a lot of, okay, first off of the arc where I break down, this is Eos, this is the rings, this is how people live there. This is, they've been, we find out they've been planning this for literally hundreds of years. So it was, um, obviously this is the place where the big PM was caused, essentially, because of what their, what their experiment actually achieved is they hit the lights. Um, but we find out that the original plans for this went back to like the 1800s. It's like a mile all underground, like a mile in diameter. Uh, they've been building it for decades. And, you know, they finally, you know, the the, uh, the equations and stuff that they're working off of for the, the actual experiments, they, they, they're like, these have been passed down for hundreds of years, uh, maybe thousands passed between civilizations. And I'm like, okay, this is widening the scope a little bit for sure. I'm intrigued on the backstory here. Uh, like, how how the hell are we gonna get into this place? Because it's it's a lot. And then uh, we find out there are new types of shades uh, that can. There's like a new monster out there that can turn people instantly. Because before, when you got infected, you had you know days, weeks, maybe maybe a month before you turned. Uh, now it's like one sentence to the next. You're, you're you're screaming for help, and then you're one of them. There is that you know no no transition period anymore with this monster that can do it. Um. So then, you know, of course, that's what they're worried about. Um. So they're on the way, and there's like an army of like fifty shades just standing there, like the shadows, like the human ones, and they're like they're like look like they're waiting for orders. They're like, they're like an army, and then there's tentacles coming out the back. 
you you could see it coming. They they get one of the guys, yeah, digs and and you know, he gets turned instantly and they're like, What the hell is going on here? And you turn the page once more. Final page reveal and you see where the tentacles are coming from at the back of this army. And it's it's Bill. Bill has got an upgrade. So uh he's back. He's 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 got new powers. Uh it's kind of interesting to see that he's he's here. Um is he you know, how did he get the this upgrade to this extent? Is this something that Val can learn to do as well now that you know she's got a, a similar style suit to him? Uh or is it more stuff that's been done after that? Um but yeah, kinda of nice that he, he has been this, you know, recurring villain. Uh there, there was a period in the last arc where they were kind of working with him a little bit and now it's He's like in control of the the, sh- the shade and the shadows, and he's called it. You know, the, the, his design with the tentacles is even better because he, he is just this black silhouette, um, and was just this grinning smile. That's the only bit of him you can see is the teeth. Uh, it's a shockingly good design for something so simple, uh, and it was a it was a great last page and a great way to start the arc in terms of like the back half of this issue. I think is fantastic. The first half is where I have problems, where I think it's a little bit rushed. Disagree with some of the choices. The the recap's weird. Throwing straight back to you know Val being here is not a decision I really like that much. But then once you're past all that and it's just right, this is where we are now, this is the story. I'm really into it. So it's a really conflicting issue. Um I'll probably give it a six point five by the end just because of those conflicts but in 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 the sense that i'm still really excited for the next issue like it, that's the that sounds like a really low score and it should be a damper but because the back half is so strong in terms of okay where it's going and what it's going to lead into next time it that has me excited so uh positive for the next issue positive by the end of this issue even if it's not a great issue in itself because of it's a handful of problems that it has Okay, well there you go. That'll uh, take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week for it, panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and uh, normally top five, but in this case it'll just be top three. So what are you giving best panel slash moment of the week to? Uh, it's going to be the panel from Greenland and of the other pilot, just looking absolutely disgusted at Hal. That's fair. I'll probably go with the same book and Hal falling back to Earth when his power runs out. Yeah. Just really pretty. Uh cover uh only three books obviously i actually i'm going to go with the variant for green lantern i'm going to go with the Derek robertson uh kilowog having some tea in his tracksuit just because it stuck out to me a bit more yeah i think he kilowog is a character that robertson's are suits kind of like chunky kind of yeah awkward you know that you know not like that it's not always bad but i think it suits kilowog here uh, that's a good cover. Uh, for me, I'm going with the the Dustin Wynn uh, Spirit World variant. Yeah, not surprised. Not surprised. Hey, I'm a sucker for Dustin Wynn's art. It's great. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, best art of the week? I mean, there's only three books. All three of them have great art, I think. So, no shade on either of the other two, because I think on... on Various weeks, any of these could have taken the top spot for me. But I am going to give it to Green Lantern. Samanica just, oh, so good. Yeah, not a lot of competition 
in numbers, but Green Lantern is sweeping <laughs> because also yeah. Zermanico. But it's it is a high quality. We it's not like it's a gaping chasm between them for me at least. Yeah, um, and then just rank the books, I guess. Yeah, it it is Green Lantern first. Uh, there is, I think, no question about that. Um, I'll probably go Superman Lost then Spirit World for two and three, but. I mean, I, I I had a good week. Yeah, I'm the same order. It's Green Lantern, then Superman Lost, and Spirit World. But I was a bit more mixed on Lost, and obviously taste-wise, I'm not as into Spirit World. So it was it's kind, kind of, of weird, me being the, the positive one on, on more of the books for once. Yeah, it was an odd week for me this week. It's just the way it's kind of worked out. Um, I like my Patreon book, though. I was... I, I hated one of mine, uh, but that's, that's normal. I, I was, you know, mixed on one of my... But... Mixed in a way that I'm normally not, which is disappointing, but yeah. Well, I'll tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. We have Nightwing, issue 105. We got Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 16. We have Wonder Woman 800, which I suspect, uh, while we've not been reading the ongoing Wonder Woman book, there's probably part of that that will be worth reading uh, for going forward. Uh, We have Superman, issue 5. We have Titans, issue 2. Catwoman, 56. Batgirls, issue 19. Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow, issue 3. We have Black Adam, issue 12. Batman White Knight Presents, Generation Joker, issue 2. Cyborg, issue 2. And The Vigil, issue 2. So a much more packed week. Yeah, uh, I've got a lot of catching up to do. I should get started on that. <laughs> you really should. Um, Final issue of Black Adam as well. Oh yeah, very good point. Uh, penultimate issue of Batgirls too, actually, sadly. Um, mm. So... Yeah, so yeah, I've got a healthy seven or eight books there, depending on what I uh, choose to read. So. I think I've got like everything that I need to read, I've got two issues of. <laughs> well, good luck with that. With the exception of maybe Nightwing. Hmm. So that's what's coming next week from DC Comics, but uh, that will bring an end to episode 361 of the show. And if you're missing Matt, he should make his grand return uh, next week. So. Uh, Look forward to that, I suppose. <laughs> but that is the show. Uh, you can support the content and support the show and keep it coming by going to patreon.com slash TV and supporting us financially over there. Uh, but if you can't, don't feel too bad about it. You can like, subscribe, you can share us on the Twitters and all that good stuff. Uh, just keep listening to the show. Uh, all good. But that is the podcast. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.